Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Um, I, I, you know, we, we could have done the show last week. We didn't, but we could have. Really? Well, so I mean, yes, I was home. You you were home, um, but the the truth is, one we only saw part of the race because um, of you know it, it it's kind of odd when you think about it the fact that here we are in this covid quarantine world mm-hmm. where everybody is spending more time in their homes including us and our dvr filled up is that why it didn't <laughs> is that why it didn't uh record yes it's because the dvr was full. what is our dvr recording well i i, I did go through and delete all all of the races that it recorded from 2019. About time. <laughs> I, I, I did have to do that. So you're telling me that you have not been diligent about deleting what we have watched? Maybe. Okay. I deleted all the practice sessions too. That'd be nice because we never watch the practice we sessions. We don't. And, but, you know, it, it's one of the, the ways we can ensure that... Uh, the DVR records Formula One almost every time. Almost. The problem almost. is it gets all the practice sessions and then is eh, about 70% on the races. Yeah. So we only saw part of the race last week. And then let's face it, last Sunday we were feeling kind of lazy anyway. It was a lazy day last Sunday. So we didn't do a show. We didn't. I think we barely cooked dinner. We did barely cook dinner. Actually, I think we didn't cook dinner. <laughs> that that may have been possible too. <laughs> okay, in my defense, I had driven 18 hours in a 48-hour period of time. I was not arguing the decision not to record last week. We none of us were in a place that we were It wouldn't have been a good show if we had recorded. Well, at least you are not going it's all my fault. Not yet. No, that that was before we went into last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not always all my fault. Most <clears throat> of the time. Almost right. every time. All right. Do you have actual Formula One news or is this just pick on me night? We do. Yay. So Chase Carey gave an interview this past uh, week, actually. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's his round of exit interviews. Oh. Because remember, he's leaving. So he's got to say why he's leaving and which person really ticked him off and what's really good about the organization and what needs to be improved that they won't listen to, that kind of stuff. If, well, first off, he's insistent that uh, Formula One held a, um exhaustive search for his replacement. Exhaustive. They did not just go and pull up the dartboard and fling a dart and go, oh, let's see if Stefano answers his phone. No. They it was didn't. more than that. Oh, no, they did an exhaustive search. They pulled up everybody on LinkedIn that lists team principal (laughs) at Ferrari on their CV. And they went, oh, look, we have Stefano and we have Abriva Bene and we have Perry Potter. Which one of these guys are we going to go with? Because we knew that Toto Wolf was going to be a problem. Well, that's because Ferrari's already said that they wouldn't vote. They'd use their veto against... Toto. Toto of all people. Like the second nicest guy in Formula One. Who's the first? 
That'd be telling. It's Lewis Hamilton, of course. I don't know about that. I'm not positive of that. I mean, he, he's he's definitely one of the better personalities on the group. But is mm-hmm. he the nicest? I don't know. He could be. Uh, anyway. Seems like one of the nicest guys. <clears throat> Chase is also opining on um, where he thinks the sport should be going. Oh. And it... Formula One, he says, you know, while it has a great history, it should not let the history prevent it from doing new things and branching out. Okay. So what he said was, he said, most sports, when they've talked about changes, the hardcore fans resist. Major League Baseball, when they had a designated hitter, everybody didn't like it. The NBA put in a three-point line. The hardcores didn't like it. You added teams to playoffs. You used to have the league championships play in the World Series. This year, they had 16 teams compete. Really, in most cases, but not all, but in most cases, those changes have ended up being viewed as positive, being fresh energy, bringing a fresh perspective. I think you have to be careful that you don't gimmick up the sport, that you're recognizing the importance of history and the importance of what has made this sport special but not let that become a straitjacket that doesn't enable you to consider changes that may truly enhance the sport for fans. Now, what specifically Chase was talking about and calling out, and this is where I think everybody's or, or a lot of people are going to disagree, is the fact that once again, Ross Braun and Formula One has floated out the possibility of reverse grid qualifying. Mm-hmm. To which... Not just Mercedes at this point, but several of the other teams have said, yeah, maybe this isn't a good idea. And several of the drivers have stepped up and said, yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And they are still thinking about it. I, I keep telling you, <clears throat> yes, I hear, Chase, that we shouldn't take tradition as being something that hampers the sport. But what we need to do is actually look at what's broken versus what's not broken. And no one disagrees that qualifying is not broken. Well, we put forward what I think is the right proposal to introduce reverse grids. Because I don't think it's fully a bad idea. Okay. Okay, let me review the proposal again. You still have your traditional qualifying. Yes. Your traditional qualifying takes the place of Saturday free practice. Based on the results of that Saturday qualifying, you do a reverse grid sprint race Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. That's worth, say, quarter or half points. And then on Sunday, you have your normal race based off the results of your Saturday morning qualifying. For full points. The only problem with that is you also have to introduce spare cars. The reason being is that you're going to put a race that has the potential of carnage, and every race has the potential of carnage, out there. And you could take a front runner that winds up, you know, having to weave through the grid in your reverse grid sprint race and handicap them in the race itself because there was an issue. I'm okay with that. So you'd have to bring... It's the knock-on effect of those things. You'd have to bring in spare cars 
because, and you'd have to allow more parts and Mm -hmm. they would essentially be running two races, even if it's half distance and half points, they'd be running two races. So that's crew and exhaustion and all of those things that Mm -hmm. are not currently part of the the program. Well, so some of that I'm not completely sure because again, remember you're replacing one of the Saturday events Mm -hmm. that you've already got scheduled. Right. I so you and you're still staffed and, and and still in place for that. So from accruing and personnel perspective, I think it's less of an issue. In terms of the parts and stuff, yeah, I could see that argument. I could definitely see that argument. And you have a valid point. The problem is that this is not a three-point line or designated hitter. It fundamentally changes everything about the game, about the sport because of the cost it would increase. Keep in mind, you remove one of the practice sessions. Now you have to limit young driver testing in free practice one because the driver driving needs the experience on the track. Well, see, that's the other thing because keep in mind, after what happened in Germany, mm-hmm. and and we're going to see it again in two weeks of these two-day race weekends, that's also something that they're floating out there of shortening the race weekend because of the fact so the the argument for that is because the teams had less running on a circuit that they were unfamiliar with they can't plan for it they don't have the data and it makes the result less certain correct and it makes it more exciting so in theory before cars are driven in anger because you've now shortened the practice sessions you've taken one away you're in theory doing some of the same thing. I don't know. I don't like it. I go back to there's nothing wrong with qualifying. If they adopted my proposal, which I've tried to talk to Chase about, and I'm definitely trying my best to get on uh, Stefano's calendar to discuss this, but my proposal is simplify the rules. Create a set standard rules mm-hmm. that are safety, you know, life of the driver rules. Mm-hmm. That that the core pieces life have to be. Life of the driver and baseline performance. And baseline, it cannot go slower than X. Mm-hmm. It must protect the driver from death, period. There. That's your rule set. We take a 400-page technical regulation and we turn it into a single sheet of paper. And then you go. Bring innovation back to the sport and mm-hmm. you will bring <clears throat> incredible variability. With the cost cap. Okay. With the cost cap. With, with the cost cap. Because that, that's the other piece of they don't want fully unrestrained and that's what some of these rules are. So you put the cost cap in place mm-hmm. and you say you've got to meet these minimum standards. Go. See you at winter testing exactly we'll see what you bring at winter testing and if you get it completely wrong you are performing x percentage behind the rest of the pack what a williams situation then you can get some cost cap relief you know to to rework and bring rebring innovation in those would be about the three rules i'd put on f1 okay so now what Chase has said about how this can go forward, because with the Concord Agreement, the rules have changed a bit. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they, they don't necessarily need unanimous consent. They can go with the supermajority. Right. Um, <clears throat> Chase has, has stressed that any call about a format change would be a group decision and F1 was not going to dictate that to the teams. He said, I think a decision like the specific one about a qualifying race, I think is a group decision from my perspective. We're not going to dictate that. Let's tee it up. Talk about the pros and cons. Do the appropriate homework of what we think, again, the benefits and issues with it and have an honest discussion with everybody. That's where it's important to have a spirit of partnership and not look at it as is, as is this good or bad for me as a team, but is it good or bad for the sport and make an informed judgment. Is this a decision that we feel is respectful to the sport and create greater races for fans? At the end of the day, this is what it is all about. Not the hokey pokey? No, it's not. I I was always told that the hokey pokey was what it was all about. No, in this case, the, the decision, that is not what it's all about. Now, this is one of those areas where, you know, every one of these team principles, with the exception of, oh, the leadership at Formula One, have seen firsthand how bad it can be if you screw up qualifying. If you change qualifying around and screw it up, how bad that can be. Mm-hmm. As have so many of any fan that's our age or older knows how bad that can be. Mm-hmm. Have a clue what's going on. Those that have come to cheer on their heroes can't see them and, and there's nothing to, to cheer on. Got to change. Don't like it. Not acceptable. It needs putting in the skip. The new qualifying format is pretty rubbish. Well, I think firstly we should apologise to the to the fans and the, the viewers because that's not what qualifying you know should be. The crescendo was the bloke getting out of the car. Right. And the irony is he could have actually waved his own second flag. Yeah. He was on pole position. Let's find out what the fans want. Has anyone asked? Do you remember that crazy qualifying idea they had back in 2016 that only lasted one race? That was my best, my favorite quote. My favorite <laughs> quote is, remember that crazy qualifying idea that they had that lasted only one race? In fact, it lasted two. But yeah, nobody liked it. Put it in the skip. Yes. Um, so... Oh, did you have something else? No, I was wondering if we were going to move on from the bad reverse grid idea and put that in a skip too. Well, we're moving on from that to bad engines. Oh, okay. So, you know, Haas is at a crossroads here. Um, They are actually getting to the point where um, their contract is up at the end of next year with Ferrari. I didn't realize that. Yeah, now this is specifically around, and, and we know it's specifically around the engine components. However, we also know that Haas buys every single unlisted part from Ferrari it can get its hands on. Correct. But a good portion of Haas's struggles this year are the Ferrari engines. Well, it seems to be this good portion of Ferrari's struggles this year. Mm-hmm. So the question was posed, seeing that Renault seems to be on a bit of a resurgence. You know, they're not quite at the point where they're fourth place team, or necessarily a third place team, but they're certainly on a resurgence, and they are definitely looking for customers. Mm-hmm. Well, the the question was posed to Haas of, 
what what do you think? Gunther, are, are you going to move? And Haas says that at this point, it would not be ethical. That they, their their partnership is so strong that they have they have been together, and just because there's been this one downturn, it would not be ethical for them to to leave Ferrari at this juncture. So my question for Gunther is: Last year, when faced with <clears throat> renewing contracts for Grosjean and Magnussen. He said that they were going to renew Grosjean's because he stuck with us through the early years and it was rough and, you know, we had loyalty to Grosjean. And now we're not... you guys took the blame for not providing him with a good car. Correct. And now you're saying that it would be unethical for you to seek another opportunity with another partnership because these people stuck with you through the, the early times there's loyalty, Gunther, and I'm down with loyalty. At some point, something you got gonna a bad s- boyfriend here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's sitting on your couch eating all your Cheetos, and he's not bringing in the bacon. <laughs> well, well, I, okay. So I was thinking it was more like at some point the cops have come and they've dragged him off in the the tank top. Oh, wife beater Haynes t-shirt and you're standing on the deck of your double wide trailer going, but I love him yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't be her <laughs> no you cannot be her don't stand on the, the deck screaming and, and I get that you know not far from the Canapolis plant, you can probably see this play out daily. Isn't that where Cops was filmed? No. <laughs> I'm teasing. I, so I, much I, of that is Florida, man. Well, see, that's <laughs> that's what I was going to say, because the number of times we used to watch Cops, and I used to go, oh, there's my dad's print shop. Oh, there's my dad's print shop. Oh, there's my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. All right. So those bad boys are going for loyalty over quality. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Gunther. Let's see who bleep smashes next. And Toto Wolf, um, as Red Bull appears to be narrowing the, the advantage, Toto has come out and said that, oh, yeah, Mercedes, we uh, ended development on this car a long time ago. <laughs> We're not making any more new parts. Where it is what it is. We're we're kicking your butt, so I have to go and do much more than that. Um, now he he did say there is some development going on in 2021. Now, if you'll remember, 2021 essentially the cars are the same, but there is a token system for upgrades. Correct. So that's where they're focusing their attention is figuring out what are going to be the most impactful upgrades and when to push them out. That makes sense. But, yeah. I kind of liked the slam on uh, Christian Horner. Like, you might be getting close, but we kind of basically stopped developing this car at the end of last year. So, yeah. um, You're now still losing to a car that we're not developing. Yeah. Yeah. We finished the updates a long time ago. Yeah. So... Um, the other, speaking of Christian Horner and Mercedes, and honestly, we saw this coming. I we, we said, said this was not going to happen. Yeah. Mercedes has officially come out. While, while they have 
reaffirmed their commitment to Formula One. They were very quick to do that when Honda announced that they were leaving. Um, pretty much in the same breath that they reaffirmed their their ongoing commitment to remain in Formula One, they said, we ain't giving Red Bull engines. There's no reason that they would have to. Red Bull should have to take a Ferrari engine before they take they get a Mercedes engine. Well, okay, there's that. But there's also, if you just look at the number of customers that Mercedes will have next year, yeah. I don't think they've got the bandwidth to take on, the, the production capacity to take on another customer. That's what I mean. That's what I was going for is, you know, everybody wants a Mercedes engine. You, you got to get in the back of the line because nobody's giving them up. And before Christian Horner goes crawling on his knees to Cyril Abitbull to request engines for Red Bull and AlphaTauri, mm-hmm. um, we now have confirmation that Red Bull is seriously considering buying all the intellectual property for the Honda engine program and taking it over. Actually, I think this is the most reasonable idea. First, <clears throat> Red Bull has never traditionally proven themselves to be a good partner <coughs> for a engine manufacturer. They drag anybody through the dirt about it. Yeah. So bring it in-house. You think you want to sit back and Monday morning quarterback the engine? Bring it in-house and show us how you're, how you're going to do it. But more specifically, we know that constructors win championships. And that's oh, thank you, Ron Dennis. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> um, but no, I think that that's what they need to do to really be, to move the program forward. They've gone as far as they can on Adrian Newey's aerodynamics, which is phenomenal. But it's time to start putting some power behind those well, arrows. And, and this is where I think if you're somebody like Red Bull, you've got an even bigger problem than that. Because, okay, so fine, you take on the engine development program. We know how ridiculously expensive these engines are to build, to maintain, to run, to operate, all of those things. And companies like Renault and Mercedes and Ferrari can go and help distribute the costs of the technology and all of the other bits around other portions of their business, and they can leverage that technology and leverage those findings in other portions of their business. Mm-hmm. Red Bull does. There, there is no Red Bull automobile. No, and you don't think that the Red Bull engine could power the uh, drinks? Yeah, I don't think that they could use it for the factory. The Red Bull Flugtag is an unpowered race. <laughs> But maybe they could leverage it across some of their extreme sport offerings. I don't... See, those are straight sponsorship deals, is my understanding. But uh, the thing is, a Formula One car's... A Formula One engine only works in a Formula One car. (laughs) It's a unicorn. I get that. But maybe they would expand out into IndyCar. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I get that piece of it. But the other side of it is Red Bull is going to be more willing to buy their own engine factory than to have to apologize to Renault 
and go back to well, them. Well, there, there, there is that. Actually, Helmut Marco says that um, he thinks that there is room at the factory in Milton Kynes for them to do this and that they could relocate stuff because I guess um, Honda had a facility nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks that it would be nothing to go and transfer that stuff from one facility to the Red Bull facility and take it on over there. Well, you know, Formula One engines aren't that big. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, footprint-wise. Not power. Footprint. I mean, they're bigger than the MG's engine, but can't be by much. <sighs> anyway, so Helmet says that all engine manufacturers have their own team, and that means they develop the engine around their chassis. We would get something where we would have to adapt our chassis and our, de- and our ideas secondary, and we would be confronted with a technical solution that we would have to accept. That is why the Honda solution is our favorite. Nevertheless, we are exploring all possibilities. According to the FIA regulations, every engine manufacturer has committed itself to supplying other teams. If something like this is to be a possibility for us, then it must fit the overall situation and it must make us competitive. A happy forced marriage is not an issue for us. Interesting. Which says that, yeah, if we can avoid going to Renault, we will. Mm-hmm. And here's the other reason why Mercedes won't make, does not want to supply Red Bull with engines. Christian Horner has come out and said it is inconceivable, his exact words, inconceivable that Alpha Tori and Red Bull would use different engines mm. going forward. Okay. So it would mean that if Mercedes was to supply engines to one, they'd be supplying engines to two teams. Instead of two engines, they'd need to supply four in addition to their existing customer base. Exactly. That's a big lift. That is, especially when you consider that Renault, Ferrari, Haas, and Alpha... Uh, Alpha Af- Romeo. Alpha Romeo. I'm like... I went to Alfa Tori, but I was like, that's not right. Alfa Romeo are the only other non-Mercedes engines mm-hmm. on the grid. Yeah. There are 20 cars, and I just named off three te- four teams. So that's eight drivers. That's 12 other engines that are all Mercedes. You cannot ask them to add four more engines to that. Yeah. Now, Christian's position, and... and, and this is not something that we have seen alignment in the Red Bull organization before. Um, but now the feeling is there is enough shared parts between the teams, especially around gearboxes in particular. And gearboxes have always been a part that teams could buy off of each other. But particularly around the gearboxes and the amount of investment that has gone in there, that if one of the teams was to go a different direction with their engine, it would mean completely remanufacturing and redesigning the gearbox for just one team. Mm. And for Red Bull, that is not a viable option. And I could understand that. That makes perfect sense. Um, but it also means that in terms of designing chassis and things like that, they can pool resources to some extent. So... Nothing else? No. Okay. Um, the other thing, and, and this one actually did kind of surprise me. Okay. Surprised me a lot. 
So one of the questions has been around Alexander Albin's seat next right. year. You know, we we know Max is committed. Max is not going anywhere. Max is very happy at Red Bull. Alexander Albin also would love to stay at Red Bull, but his performance is, especially compared to Pierre Gasly last year, ain't great. Right. And especially compared to Pierre Gasly this year, <laughs> it's just kind of okay. Right. Um, it does sound like Red Bull isn't really sure they want to bring Gasly back to the team, which I can certainly understand. Um, but there's not a whole lot of options and, and, and they're, they've made it clear. They are not bringing Danny Kvyat back to Red Bull. Correct. He, he is stuck in the purgatory of that seat until he gets out of Formula One or they, they fire him one or the other, but he is not coming back up to Red Bull. Um, in terms of juniors, there's not a lot, even though they've got their driver development program. So Helmut Marco actually said that Nico Hulkenberg is an option for that seat. What they do? Just pull up the list of people that have super licenses? That's about the best that I can think of. Because for Red Bull to even remotely consider going with somebody who is outside of the Red Bull organization and has always been outside of the Red Bull organization... Given their history over the last oh eight years to ten eight to ten years or so, is kind of staggering. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just I'm stunned. They wouldn't have had a non Red Bull driver since Mark Webber. Mm-hmm. Since and Mark always, Webber and David Cothart. And they always said that that was the way that was their model was they're going to bring them up, raise yep. them themselves. But okay. So they they pulled up the list of the available people with super licenses, and they've eliminated um, Pastor Maldonado. And I'm not sure he has a super license anymore. Kidding at this point. And so Nico's there, but Nico's been filling in for other teams. He has, and here's another interest. We didn't know this, and maybe it was in the pre-race coverage that we missed because our DVR was full. But anyway, um, apparently. Before Nico got the call up to drive for um, Lance Stroll at the Eiffel Grand Prix, Red Bull was already speaking to him for a reserve position. So earlier in the week, Alexander Albin had an inconclusive COVID test. Not a positive, but an inconclusive test. And as a result of that, Red Bull was making initial uh, initial actions to get somebody in to fill in with him if he turned out to be positive. So ultimately, he they got a second test in. He tested negative. They did not need him. However, Helmut Marco admits that they had started the conversations with Nico Hulkenberg to have him come to the team in Germany for the Eiffel Grand Prix if Alex had tested positive. Oh, my word. Now, the cool thing about the story about Nico filling in for Stroll was that he says he got the call while he was having a coffee in a cafe. Yeah. Which I thought was amusing. So he obviously had concluded the I'm not going to be needed for the reserve over at Red Bull Mm -hmm. uh, by that point and was just, you know, sipping on a coffee. Well, 
if I remember correctly, the call for Nico to come to um, Racing Point came Friday evening, either Friday evening or Saturday morning. Saturday but he morning. got there in, in enough time to get behind the wheel. Actually, no, I don't think he did. He got he made, there time for I think he qualifying. Missed, yeah, he made it for qualifying. He missed Saturday practice. He did. He got the call Saturday morning. At like He said at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It was the last possible call time for him to make the trip. So the conversation for, with Alex probably was a day or two before. Right. So he was probably thinking, you know, I, I'm not going to be needed. Okay. So we, we do know a bit more about Lance's issue. He was not COVID positive. Uh, yes. Otmar Safnauer confirms that this was not a COVID-related issue. What Otmar said was that um, Lance hasn't been feeling great since Russia. Uh, Otmar said, I think he had a bit of a cold. At first we thought, well, we'd better get you tested for the virus. Tested him multiple times, including the pre-event test for the race. He's come back negative three or four times. He didn't have the classic COVID-19 systems. He just didn't feel well in himself. And last night he had a bit of an upset stomach. He, at, and last night he had a bit of an upset stomach. Did would, he have bad caviar in Russia? W- would you like me to? to no. Because I know what he said. Otmar said a little bit more than that. <laughs> Go ahead for our listening public. Otmar said so. And last night he had a bit of an upset stomach. So he was on the toilet the whole time. And he said, I've got rid of a lot of fluid and I can't get off the toilet for long enough to get in the race car. Okay. I don't know if it's something he ate or if it's a tummy bug. He just said, I'm not feeling up to it. We're going to have a double header coming up soon and I'd rather rest and get ready for that. He had some bad caviar. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have been totally fine if Otmar had just said... He was having some gastrointestinal distress. That would have been perfect. We didn't need the rest of it. But now you have it. You've shared. Yes. Multiple well, times now. Because basically, if somebody Otmar asked you about shared, it. shared, so I'm sharing. But basically, if anybody has asked you about it, you have gone into Otmar said. <laughs> of course. Because if Otmar says it, I guess that means I can say it. Well, all I'm saying is that when Haas goes in to interview me for the open position that will be at Haas, because as an American driver, I could fill in, I would be a perfect opportunity for a race car driver for Haas. I wrote super on my license. It's fine. I was going to say, no, your Sharpie ran out of ink, but... (laughs) No, I got a new Sharpie, wrote super on my license. It's all okay. Now, when they interview me, I will tell them how much of an iron stomach I have. No, it it was more the conversation that we had at the DMV with the lady behind the counter. As you're like, no, this needs to be a super license. (laughs) And she looked at you and went, Superman? And you went, no, super license. It was was not, not... well, it was when she took the post-it out and tried to fashion a little cape for my license that was really over yeah. the top. <laughs> I mean, she was trying. She was so friendly, which is so unusual for the DMV. Anyway. 
So you're going to convince Otmar that even though you drive slow. Not Otmar, Gunther. Because Otmar doesn't have a seat for me. And I can't drive... You're going to convince Gunther that... I'm going to convince Gunther that even though I drive slow, that I will be the perfect driver. I'm on the short list. The problem is, before you could convince Gunther that he should hire you, you have to get him off the front deck. (laughs) There is that. (laughs) There is that problem. But, you know, I have just as many podiums as Nico Hulkenberg has. That's kind of... Actually, no, Nico has more. Because he has them in other series. I was going to say F1 podiums? Yeah. He has them in other series. (laughs) But not in F1. He has stood on more podiums than you have stood on. It's not the number. It's the quality. Because as I recall, if if I do the count of the number of podiums that you've stood on, Mm-hmm. And I will count, given that the, the the venue didn't change, I will count each of those podiums separately. I come to two. Two. Two is a good number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying two. to think if I've stood on any other podiums. Um, it was very sticky. Yes, it was. <laughs> It was very sticky. But my picture was taken on the podium. I was there. Two. Two. Anyway. That was because you didn't let me go to the podium picture um, at the end of the last IndyCar race we were at. We were tired. You didn't know that you were going to get to meet Alexander Rossi. And you said, I don't want to walk all the way over there if I can't meet Rossi. I said, it's with Rossi. And you said, no. Hey, speaking of podiums. That are sticky. Yo, oh, yeah, this one eventually got sticky. The big topic mm-hmm. that eventually Sky realized they had to shut up about it. But the big topic was the bet. The bet, yes. The bet that if Daniel Ricardo got a podium for Renault, Cyril Bitbull was getting a tattoo. Yes, he was. And that has been the question of will this happen? And oh, by the way, even before we get to that, you know, we we watched the podium and we were taking odds as to whether or not Daniel Ricciardo was going to do a shoey. Yes, we were. And he didn't. He didn't. Because he forgot. How do you He freely admits he he was so wrapped up that he forgot. (laughs) However... ESPN has the video. He did the shoey later on. That was where he admitted that he, he forgot to do the shoey. He was going to do it, but he forgot. Was it Martin Brundle that had to describe drinking <laughs> champagne out of Daniel's sweaty race boot? Martin, Martin Brundle certainly has taken Daniel's shoey mm-hmm. and explained that the, the last time it had he did it, he had like a sore throat for a week. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, that's gross. Like, stop that. But there will be a tattoo. Yes. Daniel Ricardo was asked about it, and he said specifically, it's real. It's going to happen. We'll have to do some thinking now, but probably it will be something to do with me, but I think with the German flavor. This is obviously the place we did it. A little tip of the hat to something traditional in Germany as well. 
I think it's going to be a honey badger drinking a beer. So, well, so I was wondering, would it be a honey badger drinking a beer? Well, no, Lederhosen is more German. More Austrian. Austrian. So a honey badger in a dernal dress wouldn't work either because he's not a girl. Yeah. That'd be awesome if he was. <laughs> honey badger in a dernal dress? That would have been cool. That would have been so cool. And maybe you should email uh, Daniel about it. Give him the idea. So the deal is, in case you've lived under a rock, um, the deal is that Cyril gets to choose size and location, mm-hmm. and Daniel gets to choose design. Now, I think that this fix is going to be on, because since Cyril can say size, all of a sudden it's going to be a quarter inch round. Possibly. But everybody this weekend is going to be asking where it is and what it looks like. And show it to us. And until it happens, everyone's going to be, when's it happening? Mm-hmm. When's it happening? I, I mean, if Cyril is smart, it's already happened. Yeah. Because then he can, you know, drop trowel and show everybody his butt. While we're talking about Daniel Ricardo. Yes. So, um, Daniel reacted. And, and actually, even before we get to that. So, Lewis Hamilton had his 91st race win, matched Michael Schumacher's record, and Mick presented him with one of Michael's helmets. Yeah. Which, very cool. And I gotta say... When Lewis carried that helmet out onto the podium, I was pissed. <laughs> I sat there the whole time going, don't do that. Don't bring that out. It's going to get trashed. Don't do that. Don't. So the guy in the white gloves who ran out there to grab the helmet and run away before the champagne went flying, we salute you. <laughs> yes, we salute you. Yes, that's important. It was really cool because you were looking out for it, but the minute that guy comes running out to go grab it, you're like, okay, it's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sure it probably has gotten champagne on it before, but don't let it happen now. Yeah, no, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. But it was a very sweet gesture and very reminiscent of when Lewis tied Ayrton Senna's record. And mm-hmm. the Senna for pole fam- positions. And the Senna family gave him a helmet. So I think this is cool, especially as he's ticking off some of these major uh, records. Now, Daniel Ricciardo um, offered an opinion on this. He actually said that he thought this was probably the coolest gift in motorsports. Really? Which, the only thing that kind of surprises me is that, well, okay, but what about Ayrton Senna's helmet? Yeah. I mean, that was cool too. But why Michael over Ayrton Senna? I just just wondering, especially since Ayrton Senna is one of Lewis's idols, and I never really heard that Michael was one of Lewis's idols. No, he was Vettel's idol. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it was more about the fact that Mick's in the sport, and Mick was able to give it to him. That and, maybe I don't know. It could be like the the full package. There's not another Senna that has come up through the sport. Yeah, there was Bruno. Bruno, but he didn't last. Well, Nick hasn't. We don't know if Nick's going to last. Nick? I mean, Mick. I thought she said Nick. It sounded no, Nick. Nick. Okay. We don't know. I mean, it would have made... To, to go with that, it would have made a better sense if Ralph presented the helmet. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I don't know. But 
I mean, Daniel's younger than Lewis, and maybe Daniel was more a uh, Schumacher era versus a Senna era. I mean, those are two different eras of Formula One. They are, and and Daniel has raced against Michael just like Lewis has mm-hmm. um, in much less competitive cars, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's also the other piece of this that makes it different. Senna was had already passed away by the time any of these guys had ever entered the grid. None of them had driven with Senna. Yeah, but these guys knew Michael. But they knew him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a it's a friend. And we know how tight that community is and how insular that community really is. Yeah. So moving on, this past weekend mm-hmm. or this past week, Renault conducted a filming day. Yes. Where Fernando Alonso returned and drove the car. Drove the he drove this year's car, as a matter of fact, in Barcelona. Wow. It was a filming day, so they were limited to a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Um right now Fernando said that the car is outperforming him. Well, okay, but he hasn't been behind the wheel of a car beyond the five hundred for what, two years now? Um no, he he did uh, WEC. Okay, uh, an open wheel car. Yeah, yeah. Two years, and it didn't catch on fire. That's probably what he's most happy. It didn't about. break down. It didn't catch on fire. He did say, you know, yes, he and, and he admitted he's he's been out of the car and he's got to bring his performance back up and do that. Uh, but he also said one of the other challenges he had was, you know, it was a filming day, so they were dealing with camera angles there were drones there was a camera car on the track as well so in addition to him trying to get reacclimated with the car and drive it at its best there were all of these other fat and, and those are valid points as well mm-hmm. um, he did say that he was picking it up but he said there is more to more to go there um, that's about all he's going to get unless they're going to hand him a test yeah which they might i don't know well, I hope he's getting a lot of simulator time. That well, that's going to be the other thing is the simulator time. But apparently, he's already been in the factory. He's got the pictures taken in the Renault gear and all of that. Now, I would not expect this to be a lead into a Fernando Alonso championship. Uh no. Yeah. So, um, other news due to the deteriorating health situation. As much as we had heard that. Ticket sales were doing fantastic for the Turkish Grand Prix. That plan has now been canceled. Oh, are they having a new surge? Um, They are having a new surge. Um, Cases have gone up dramatically in Turkey. And as a result, the Turkish Grand Prix will now be held without fans. Oh, wow. I was really hopeful because we had started to get some fans and we were starting to get small groups. That, that would be what we could have for the rest of the season. But I guess no fans. Yep, no no fans for the Turkish Grand Prix. There will be fans in Algarve this coming week, and there will be fans in Imola next week. Oh, wow. Okay. So not massive crowds. We're, we're, we're still scaled down quite a bit, but there will be fans there. Hey, some fans is better than no fans. And finally, the uh, next Brazilian Grand Prix, so we're up in the air as to what's happening with this. 
Um, the contract for Interlagos, this is the last year for it, and it has not been renewed. And it sounds very much like, well, number one, we know the Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, wants the race to move to Rio. Mm -hmm. He's already announced it is moving to Rio. Um, it does sound like Formula One in general is not particularly keen to renew the race at Interlagos, um, not in a small part due to the influence of Bernie Eccleston and his financial interests in Interlagos. Uh, interesting. Um Plus, you know, there's all of the other issues with Interlagos in general. You mean the number of times that an F1 driver has been mugged going in and out of the... The security concerns. Yeah, just a few. I mean, the, the track is good. We've had good races. We've had a lot of good races at Interlagos. But there's some significant security concerns there. Exactly. And they've had concerns about the facilities for a while, although it is in much better shape than it has. They, they've really worked to improve, the, which is always baffling to me. Mm -hmm. So Bernie owns the track and Bernie complains about the facilities at the track. I know. You own the place. Fix, Fix it. it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I never was able to figure that one out. But anyway, um, at this point, we are not hearing that there is even any conversation about renewing the contract with Interlagos. So... President Bolsonaro is pushing very hard for a track outside of Rio, Rio, excuse me, located in the Camboata Forest. Um, at this point, though, it that may not happen because uh, there's a lot of environmental pressure because there's not a whole lot of forest in Rio. And this would be some of the last forest in Rio that they would be looking to drop a track in. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of environmental pressure not to do that. Lewis Hamilton has issued a statement saying that he thinks that this is a really bad idea. Um, he's the only driver who, who's commented on it, but he said that he thinks this is a really bad idea. Um, Chase Carey, first off, Chase is very keen to get this on a provisional 2021 calendar, which, okay, I, I get that you don't want to lose a venue in Brazil, but... 2021 and you don't have a facility lined up and it's almost the, well we are three quarters of the way through 2020 right from what we know from what we have seen you're talking two years from announcement until the first race assuming all everything lines up and is perfect and all of that stuff and you're not miami and you're not fighting a global pandemic that too but Chase Carey is pushing for a race next year. Interesting. Um, he is talking to a group in Rio about an alternate venue in Diodoro, which is a military base that was utilized for some of the lower profile events at the 2016, the 2016 Olympic Games, including, um, I'm assuming, field hockey and not ice hockey. Uh, hockey, rugby sevens, shooting, BMX, mountain biking, show jumping, and the modern pentathlon. I think they should use the BMX track. <laughs> you know, they want to change things up. Hey, <laughs> Red Bull has run their cars on a dirt track before. See? Do you remember? Run up to, to Austin, they ran their 
car on the the unpaved dirt layout for Circuit of the Americas. Yep. So, why not? Yeah. Chase Carey is pushing for September 14th of next year. I don't think that you're going to get a Formula One race in. Even if you went with a street track, I don't think you're getting a Formula One race in in now 11 months. No, I don't think so. But stranger things have happened. And right now it's 2020. And so like all bets are off of like what could possibly happen. We may not have a season next year. I mean, that's the thing. Well, we'll have a season. I, I, I think that will definitely happen. I think from what we saw this year, a season will definitely happen. They've got a, they've got a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it won't, just like this year, it won't be as globe-spanning as we have seen. But we'll see a season happen. Right. Well, if it's not even globe-spanning, they may not be able to go to Brazil. Well, I mean, there's that's, that too. That's the other piece of that. So I should mention, actually, this the one last thing. Mm-hmm. And this will come as a surprise to, I think, pretty much nobody. But the organizers of the Vietnamese Grand Prix mm-hmm. officially announced in the last two days that the 2020 Vietnamese Grand Prix has been canceled. No. Originally, it was postponed. Right. So they finally realized that, yeah, we're not pulling this off. <laughs> In the last two days. Yeah, we're not pulling this one off. You know, isn't the Chinese Grand Prix still just postponed? Nope. Oh, they well, finally? anything that was postponed ain't happening at this point. Uh, Formula I... One has said, they, this is the schedule. They announced, this, they announced the finalized schedule, what, a month and a half ago. Right. And Vietnam just went, oh, 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 yeah, I guess you guys aren't coming here. <laughs> the, oh, okay. yeah. In their defense, all of the key communications people have been down with COVID. So yeah, they've just recovered and returned to the office and they got the memo. They and they just said, got the email. <laughs> oh, they announced the schedule and then we're not on it. And okay. we're not on it. It's okay. All right. The, the, the organizer only checks his email at this point one day, every, once every month and... He did his monthly check and it's, oh, well, well, well I guess time we lost to it. Put out the press release. We're all good. Yeah. All right. And on that non-bombshell. We'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is there is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. Phew.